I was training for the Arnold in kettlebell snatch right before the pandemic happened. And I was like, well, people are stuck at home. This, I got to go all kettlebell. I can't show people most, you know, they don't have access to either to the gym or they don't have a seven foot space for, you know, a seven foot bar at their house or all these places. So I'm like, I'm going all in to show people what you can do with kettlebell training, whether it's light, heavy, in between, whatever. Whatever you have, I'm going to find something for you. Welcome to the Bar Bend Podcast, where we talk to the smartest minds and the biggest personalities from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is proudly presented by barbend.com. Today, I'm talking to Joe Daniels, better known as Swing This Kettlebell on Instagram and various other social platforms. Joe has an interesting background. He transitioned from bodybuilding to mostly kettlebell training, including kettlebell sport. And Joe has a lot of really interesting thoughts about how people can actually build strength and muscle. Yes, hypertrophy via kettlebells. It isn't a myth, at least in Joe's eyes. So we talk about kettlebell training and building real strength using that implement. Look, if you're someone who doesn't train with kettlebells or trains with kettlebells only occasionally, this is a really interesting podcast that dives into some of the common misconceptions around kettlebells as a tool. Weight can be weight, as Joe likes to say, and he gives some tips on how to train with limited equipment or if you just want to build strength with a new implement or maybe one that he thinks is underrated for strength and hypertrophy. Hope you guys enjoy. Joe, thanks for joining me today. So I know that you post a lot of content on social media about building muscle and maintaining muscle with kettlebells. But I also am guessing that you had an athletic and strength background before you started training with almost exclusively kettlebells. Give us a little insight to what that was like. Yeah. So um, when I, I mean, I didn't do too much. I started weightlifting in high school, mm. probably when I was a sophomore, just for something to do. So I, where I came from, there wasn't much to do. I lived kind of out in the country. So I like to bike, but you know, just played around the house and played some basketball, but nothing really else. I didn't skateboard, didn't do all that stuff that I really dug from the music I listened to. Got into lifting weights and I couldn't be on the team due to my job over the summer. So I was like, well, I like lifting weights. I'm going to continue to lift weights with the team. And that was fun which, for me. Which which team was this? Uh, football. Football, um, gotcha. Yeah, just in high school football. A couple of my friends did it. I wanted something to do. I was horrible at baseball. Couldn't see. <laughs> Basketball, <laughs> too short. And that's pretty much all there was out there. I mean, I was 1990s, mid, early 90s. So yeah, started lifting. I found that enjoyable. It gave me, as that, as that age a good amount of confidence. I had always done physical jobs. I worked and built homes with my father. So, you know, doing a lot of that stuff that just kind of moving stuff and lifting things kind of came with what I was used to doing. But now thinking back on how I was trained, it was kind of horrendous. <laughs> right? Like early 90s football. Hmm. So how I train now is the exact polar opposite of all of that. It's like, Let's lift. How are you feeling? <laughs> Instead of like, here, let me throw this three, 315 on a body that weighs 120 pounds and try to lift it with four spotters. Like, come on. But anyway, yes, yeah, so I played football. And then when I played music for a while, got out of uh, high school and was 
playing music and, you know, just going to college and, and like, I want to feel better. I want to have a better relationship, not only with my, you know, friends and, but with myself, Yeah. stopped drinking, went to the gym, um, literally signed up like 2003 and I, probably have been there ever since you know it's kind of a funny story about when i first went to that gym i'm like oh i forgot my wallet let me go back outside and get it they're like dude has dreadlocks and smoking a cigarette he's not coming back (laughs) 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 so most of my friends kind of know that story um i showed up and then just started listening to music and feeling better stopped smoking stopped drinking stuff like that and kept playing music and all of a sudden, two years later, people were like, why are you training so much? Why aren't you going to do a bodybuilding competition? And this is 2005. And like, I don't know. They're like, you couldn't do that. I'm like, oh, well, now I can. You just need to, you need that little bit of like, you can't do that. Oh, what are you, what are you saying? Of first course, off, I, I didn't know the first. And I, I found, luckily, I was, I lived nearby Beverly International. Um, they've been in the bodybuilding for a long time. And so I was kind of close to them. So they, show me how to pose and all this other stuff and nutritional thing, you know, for bodybuilding. Cause it wasn't anything else. This is 2005. What other type of training was around, you know, other than just mm-hmm. bodybuilding, really, you know, powerlifting, yeah, it was very you know, all that stuff was small. CrossFit wasn't around. It didn't prop all these things up. I never heard of a kettlebell. It wasn't for a couple of years, but anyway, yeah, I competed in bodybuilding as a welterweight to a middleweight. The highest I ever competed was 172 pounds. I believe it. I believe it was junior nationals. They're like, if you want to go farther on this, you need to be bigger. I'm like, well, how am I going to get bigger? I can't train any harder. It's going to take time or it's going to take steroids. And that wasn't something that I was into. Um, I knew a lot of people that were doing it. I wasn't into it. I started training and kind of give people to get off doing certain things. Why would I stop drinking right. just to do all this stuff? So anyway, yeah, competed, did pretty well. But like I said, I up to a middleweight low end of a middleweight um and then found kettlebells so i don't want to keep talking so (laughs) no i do want to talk about how you describe your training now like how would you describe your training now because i do want to talk about discovering kettlebells and making that gradually more and more part of your training until it comprised the bulk of your training but when people find you now kettlebell muscle right i found you through the kettlebell world of kettlebell sport right uh but you're you're not just training in kettlebell sport you're doing a lot of different things with kettlebells and i i know that one of your goals is to kind of open people's minds to what you can actually do with the training implement how do you describe your style of training right now so why i train i train to be safer on a bike going fast through the woods and i love mountain biking mm-hmm. absolutely i mean i don't like just going downhill i like climbs I like everything i love being on two wheels and going over objects i love to hike I've never found, and whether with friends or, or solitary, it's kind of my meditation and it always has been. That's my flow flow state really is being in nature on a bike. So even when I was bodybuilding, they all told me, you know, my, my coaches and people, they're like, oh, don't, you, don't do this. Too much cardio. You're going to lose muscle. I'm like, oh, I don't really believe that. So I've always kind of been like the black <laughs> black sheep a little bit, you know, kind of going against. I'm like, I'm going to do this you're my coach. Can you work with it? Cause this is what I need to do mentally. Mm-hmm. So I always mountain biked. I, I cut it off a little bit, 30 minutes or so. And, but it wasn't, it wasn't too much high intensity for me. It was just being in the woods on a bike. So sometimes it was hard. Sometimes it wasn't. And we monitored stuff and I was able to do it. My 
I thought my legs were, I mean, I was beating shows by having bigger legs than some of the guys in classes ahead of, or higher than me. Um, and I'm like, well, it feels like it's coming from the mountain biking <laughs> and not doing insane amount of like cardio. So I don't know, like, but anyway, so I've always loved the train for biking. And then when I found kettlebells, I was like, there's absolutely no better tool for mountain biking than this. As far as like absorption, understanding where the next, you know, where that next rep's going to be. Um, there's just so many variants, variants you can do. How much it, it just right in the, in the minute, in the flow, you know, and I'm not talking about kettlebell flow. That's not really one of my things either. But I think it's great if that people want to use it. But that implement, the kettlebell, I think it's just so ergonomically well-fitting to a human body that is active. So today, you're training in kettlebell sport. I know I see you training for long cycle quite a bit. What percentage of your training is that? What percentage of your training is other sorts of kettlebell training? And then what percentage of your training overall, of your strength training overall, is kettlebell work? I have done one month of barbell training since the end of 2019. Okay. One month was probably in mid pandemic, mid 2020, when I was finally got my Kabuki, um, Kabuki strength transformer bar. I wanted to test great bar, by the way, there's a lot. Absolutely. And that's why I got it because I didn't need any more barbells. Like I had a training center. There's a bunch of barbells there. I wasn't really using them that much. Even since 2009, like, I'd say 20%. Well, I tell people 80% of my training since 2010, when I opened up my kettlebell club has been kettlebells. The rest was, you know, some power lifts, some of the big, big movements. You know, I, I like to deadlift here and there. I, I love to squat, but yeah, so about 20% of that for since 2010 up till 2019 was using barbells as well. And then once that I was training for the Arnold, um, in kettlebell snatch right before the pandemic happened. And I was like, well, people are stuck at home. This, I got to go all kettlebell. I can't show people most, you know, they don't have access to either to the gym or they don't have a seven foot space for, you know, a seven foot bar at their house or all these right. places. So I'm like, I'm going all in to show people what you can do with kettlebell training, whether it's light, heavy, in between, whatever, whatever you have, I'm going to find something for you. So that's kind of where it came from. So basically kettlebell only muscle gain. That's what I feel. And it's now it's, I don't feel pressured to stay that course, but it's kind of what I'm known for. And it's what makes me feel great. People ask me all the time, Hey, you can do barbells again. I'm like, I'm sure I will. I'm sure I will at some point, but I just don't feel the necessity right now. It's not going to help my mountain biking. It's not going to help what I love to do outside. Um, I don't feel it's going to help me for kettlebell sport. I mean, it's not going to give me any, unless I go really, really heavy, you know, but that's just going to make my whole body more tight. Um, and I'm a big fan of being very mobile. I got a, a four-year-old that loves to play Zelda and, you know, we're on, on the ground all day wrestling and, and sword, fake sword fighting. So, you know, if I'm too tight and I'm like, oh man, I can't do it today, buddy. He's going to, he's going to get me with the sword, you know? <laughs> yeah. That you gotta, you gotta train for for life, but also imaginary sword fights with the kid. Absolutely. I will say you're clearly someone who prioritizes mobility, seeing you do sots, presses, overhead squats with kettlebells. And you're not, you're not a small guy. You're what about two, I'm guessing about 220 pounds. 
Yeah, I, my body says, hey, dude, you're going to stay at 222 all the time. It's some numerology or something. But no matter what I do, like I could go do like a stint of RP strength and or nutritional stuff and like really focus. And it's like, nah, dude, you're staying here. You might look different, but this this number is sticking to your body. But I look through my videos and like, I look really different through these phases, but my weight is almost always right around 220 to 222. I'd love to be 200 again. I just don't know how how it's possible unless I lost a bunch of muscle mass. Right. I think so. That's one thing. I, there's people that weigh the same weight that look much bigger, but they're usually people that do type of bodybuilding like I really used to do. Mm. I feel that the training that I've done in the last since 2010, so the last 14 years or so, has been making a very very dense musculature mm. and not only in like parts of the body like you people say chest back quads glutes like all sorts of stuff like deep in deep shoulder like you know low back obliques like my torso is big i have you can look back at the bodybuilding pictures when i was a lightweight and my abs were enormous i don't want them that big so if i'm super lean there's when i get super lean they're like it looks ridiculous. <laughs> and and maybe that's from a lifetime of like moving wheelbarrows mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So that's why these types of movements, like they don't, it's not something really new to me. Like people are doing like, oh, Turkish get ups are hard. I'm like, I don't know. I've been doing that my whole life. Like getting under a, under a sub floor and moving a two by 10. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like building a house or, or just doing something like that. Like it takes a lot of body awareness. But yeah, so I feel like I'm much more like my musculature is more dense than some people that work for that pump and, you know, take a quick picture. But I don't know. I, I used to be one of those too. Well, let's talk about building strength and muscle with kettlebells. It's something that I know you address a lot in your content. There are a lot of misconceptions. Yeah. And to be fair, like you did not, kettlebells were not your first strength training implement, right? And you're yeah. very clear about that. You're like, look, guys, I did build muscle without kettlebells. And I've also used kettlebells to build muscle. Let's talk about some of those misconceptions when someone comes to you and says, hey, you can't build new muscle with kettlebells, what are some of your responses to that? So the biggest things I see or that I hear about online or watch people with, with kettlebells is it's either they have way too light and they're using them just for like conditioning because that's what they saw. They saw that part of the internet or power or, you know, let's do 500 kettlebell swings as hard as you can. Like, come on, that's not going to be very heavy. Mm -hmm. um, or they're so stuck on using a bigger, heavier kettlebell that they're like, okay, yeah, I can, you know, do push press, you know, uh, 60 kilogram or something. And I'm like, okay, what about doing doubles? Because 60 kilograms is literally 30 and 30. I know people 150 pounds that are doing double jerks with that same weight. So they're stuck They're Yeah, they're real strong in the shoulder area. But see my point like there, if they're getting 60 kilograms over the head because they're using one kettlebell, that's the 60 kilogram uh, stimulus for the body and legs. So I'm doing 240 kilogram bells a lot. I mean a lot because my shoulders can take that. That's only 88 pounds per, per shoulder, but 176 load and stimulus on the everything below. So the legs, that's why I think I get my legs are staying bigger than most of these people that are doing kettlebell. Now I see some other kettlebell 
some big Instagram channels that have real big legs. They're still training a lot with barbells. Mm -hmm. I see it all the time. I mean, they're and they show it. They show their barbell stuff, you know, but then I don't know. It's interesting. So it's either that. It's either they're going really, really heavy on one single kettlebell. And that's their main focus is, you know, what are you going to do with a hundred kilogram kettlebell? You're going to do some swings. Okay. What else? You know, Mm -hmm. like, so that's people keep trying to get heavier and heavier and heavier. It's that, it's that ego mentality of, I mean, it's, if that's going to make you feel good. Awesome. I'm all for it. I hate to be kind of like, I don't want to be gatekeepy on any kettlebell stuff. Like just because I don't do certain things with kettlebells doesn't mean I don't think that other people shouldn't, if it's going to make them feel good, that's movement and mental wellness. So I'm all, I'm all for it. But yeah, I think people go to like trying to get that heavier, heavier weight. When I really recommend do more doubles. If you want to get strength and, you know, side or especially for like strength sports, football or power, power lifting or strongman, you have to be using doubles. And by doubles, you mean not doubles for reps, but two kettlebells for movements. So for example, two kettlebells for movements, double jerks, double push press, double press. Um, you know, double, instead of just maybe a goblet squat, you're loading both in a front rack for a squat, things like that. Yeah. Because think about this. If you have clearly, you know, if you got a heavier kettlebell, let's just use that 60 kilogram again, because that's 56 to 60 is one that's, you know, 123 up 140 pounds, your wrist and your hands are going to be kind of that limiting factor on that goblet squat. How long is that going to last? So I can take two 32s and already I have more weight than that. On a front rack position, on a shoulder position, I can just nail a bunch more reps. So overall, you're doing a lot more volume with even more weight. So there, I mean, that's, I'm not one of those people that have to nail down scientific studies and like, oh, here, it's all these percentages. I'm one of those person that trained more by feel and by where the stress load is mm-hmm. because our body doesn't care about math. You know, it's just our minds that know the math, right? You show numbers like, okay, how are you going to feel? How can you accomplish this training session in a way that's going to take you towards your goal? Sometimes we have to have a lateral movement, you know, move in our training, just go over, stay the same weight, just move over. You can't push it that hard because of your overall cumulative stress load. That could be your, you know, work, home, uh, sinus infection, new kids, time, all those things. When I, when I write a program, people are like, well, what's the rest period? I'm like, um, what do you need? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good point. Also, I mean, it's something that I think is a skill honed with time, right? Absolutely. And being able to train a little more intuitively. It's not a beginner's thing. You have to understand how your body's going to react. You have to understand and be aware of your stress levels, your recovery levels, things like that. I mean, there are ways to quantify that, right? There are a lot of different sure. trackers and metrics, but being able to incorporate it by feel as well is uh, impactful and a skill honed with time. I do want to talk about what are some of the, you think, best movements for folks who they're like, hey, you know, maybe I've been training with a barbell for a while. Maybe yeah. I want to incorporate more kettlebell specific movements into my training to build strength, build muscle, or, or maintain. What are some of the best kettlebell movements for strength and hypertrophy for the average person? I'm not necessarily talking people who like compete in kettlebell sport and, you know, yeah. work with a lot of technical proficiency just for folks who maybe want to start getting stronger. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's not many people that don't say swing number, number one, I'm going to say clean is more important. It sets you up for almost everything. It's a, 
life skill. Like if I'm going to carry a heavy bag of mulch outside, am I just going to carry out in front of me all the time? I'm going to put it on my shoulder, Right. you know? So a lot of this stuff, like even a two-handed clean. So yeah, if cleans are technical, they're the first beginning of like the technical lifts of kettlebell to get your hand inserted in that in that handle correctly so it doesn't beat you up and, and then you say, oh, I hate kettlebells, they hurt me. It's technical. And then you move on to snatch, but it's basically similar movement, but a two-handed clean, get a heavier weight, clean it with two hands. So you're still connected. It doesn't have to be as technical. Mm-hmm. It's a hip hinge. It's a lot of very big posterior chain. With that kettlebell swing, we lose out on like the difference between a swing and a deadlift, right? So the deadlift is 315 pounds. When we pull it off the ground, it's 315 pounds load from the start to the, to the finish. Now, kettlebell swing is very different, right? So that bell, we're accelerating it to a moment of weightlessness. Well, I can't say that, but you know what I mean? Right. Like you're not feeling anything. You're, you're standing and sometimes people don't brace themselves and then they have to catch that weight. So that's why I like the clean is you bring that up and you, you're at a, you know, a hip extended position. You're standing strong and you have that weight in a new position. A, a position for a new movement, um, whether it's a press or whether it's taking it back down or a carry, things like that. I mean, look at people that have little kids, you know, that new new moms, new dads, they're picking the kid up and putting it to a position, putting it on the hip, putting it on the shoulder, putting it on their back, carrying. It's a life thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to say cleans, whether it's, you know, if, if you're a power lifter or a strong man, you want to do two-handed clean with a heavy belt or one shoulder. You know, you can alt working on alternating things like that. I know I'm going to get some flack. Turkish get up. I think it's great personally, but it's not an exercise. It's a sequence of movements. Mm-hmm. So you have to have all those movements right before you put them together. Mm-hmm. Same as kettlebell clean and jerk. I wouldn't give somebody long cycle, you know, until their cleans are awesome, until their jerks are awesome. Then we string them back to back. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, can you knock out 10 of these without breaking your form? Okay, cool. Now we're going to do one, then one, mm-hmm. one, then one. Put together. It's a Turkish get up. It's a sequence of movements. Also, you don't have to have it st- only over your head. Like imagine how many times you've been on the ground. Once again, back to the parents with kids or, you know, I'm sword fighting my little dude. We're, we're wrestling around. But like when kids like they fall asleep on new parent, you're not going to hold the kid up in the air by one hand. You're going to keep them close to your chest, close to your shoulder and then get up off the ground. So I'll do Turkish get up with heavy sandbags. It's it's awesome. Like it's a it's a big skill. As we age, what's one of the most important things to be able to do? Get up off the ground. Exactly. And carefully get down to the ground. That could be slow or fast. Falling is a is a bad thing as we age as, at any point. A fall you can't control can be very dangerous. And that's back to kettlebells for my mountain biking like hitting something on a trail or clipping a tree with the very edge of my handlebars that sends me possibly flying over the handle, you know, and not being able to control that fall would be pretty detrimental. I've been there and I've done that. <laughs> I was going to say learn from experience, but please continue. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Sorry, man, I dr- talk a bunch, so. <laughs> well, that's why you're on a podcast. The worst podcasts <laughs> are when people don't have anything to say about their subject matter. So having too much to say, look, 
The folks who have too much to say, who have a lot to say, it just means we got to invite them on for another episode. That's all that means. So it's a very, very <laughs> good thing. Who are some of your favorite? This is one of the last questions I want to ask. Yeah. Who are some of your favorite people to follow in the kettlebell training space? Well, there there are so many, and I'm gonna I here I have this like guilt inside me. I love to help push people's passions. I look help to you know help their reach. So no matter how big or how small they are, like you're doing something you're passionate about. I love it. People that I talk to often, um, Stephen Koontz, Rhino Strength, because mm-hmm. I don't know how he's, he's been on the podcast. He does. Love Steve. Yep. He's been on there. I don't know how he does. Like, it's insane. Like, dude, how does this not break you in half? Because I'm trying to do the same stuff. It's just nowhere near what he does. My buddy, Levi Markwart, I've, there's, for what he, where he came from, you know, a hard style kettlebell. To doing like world class marathon type stuff, how he is, his consistency is beyond what's on the internet. Um, when it comes to that, for a person that's that hasn't done kettlebell since he was five years old, you know, not in the United States, you know, because it's fairly newer here. I'm trying. There's so many people. Well, the most important thing is how do people follow you, Joe? Where do they follow you? Well, I mean, I. I try, I stay active, mostly Instagram and YouTube. My Instagram is swing this kettlebell. YouTube is swing this one, the number one. It's I've had that since 2009. I think it has 1500 videos on it. Yeah, that's been there for a long time. And like I was filmed when I first grabbed kettlebells, I was like, you know what? I need to film this to see how I could do this better mm-hmm. because there's, I mean, I work with some of the best coaches I could find around. You know, it's Ken Blackburn, Steve Cotter, the IKFF, back then Mike Mahler was doing some heavy kettlebells. And that's what I really gravitated towards because I didn't want to just grab a 35 pound kettlebell and just swing my hour away. Yeah. It sure. didn't seem like it was going to do, I didn't want to do these outrageous numbers. Like if I wanted to do that, I was going to do like a, a pentathlon. Luckily, I got to work with Valeri Fedorenko who was one of the first kettlebell sport championships. He lived not even 30 minutes away from my gym to have a person that had that much knowledge and experience in kettlebell sport was wonderful. So that's kind of what I got into it. I didn't want to do 10 minute sets. I went, I'm not built for it. Um, that's why I don't do biathlon. I don't do jerk. Um, I do long cycle cause you can reset your rep every time with a clean. My torso is too long to get a proper resting rack position. I snatch and I do long cycle, but yeah, to work with Valeri was, was wonderful as much, as much as I could. Cause he was so close. I was just gonna say, Joe, that actually brings us to the end of our, our time today. Yeah, but, sure. uh, just for, to remind folks, swing this kettlebell on Instagram and swing this one, the, the, the number one. That's the YouTube. And you can find all that stuff from kbmuscle.com. That's my main site connects everything. Excellent. Joe, I appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us today. We'll have to have you back on soon. Absolutely, David. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.